0: Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. So we are in week three of a series called Summer Voices, and uh, that has been a gift to me, I will just say that, uh, as a pastor who uh, teaches, uh, that's kind of my, my bread and butter. Um, it's always nice to take a break. Because it reminds me, uh, I'm just chomping at the bit for the 18th when I get back uh, in the saddle here. uh, We'll start a new series called Rhythms that week uh, as we kind of headed towards fall. So thank you for that gift uh, to me as well as my family and my wife and kids. We're going to be at a cabin this week. Um, We'll think of you probably a little bit, but not much. So... uh, Sorry, but we'll, uh, we'll see you next week again. Um, I want to introduce a good friend of mine. Uh, this series has been about um, some of the voices that have been influential and that I have really appreciated in my own life. Um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to hear. And so uh, Becky and her husband, Rick, have been the, 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 the couple who has really been at the center of the, the, the rabbi studies that Laura and I have been able to be a part of, uh, of which you have gotten a lot of, uh, of miles from um, as far as teaching and things that we've discovered and looked at together. So Becky's just somebody I greatly respect, and I'm excited to introduce her to you. So would you please welcome her to Awaken It?
1: I'll take my shoes off before I get up there. Hi. I preach better if my shoes are off, so... <laughs> no, actually, I've got a bum ankle, so I'm trying to nurse it just a little bit. Thank you so much for inviting me. I, I feel so privileged to be here at Awaken. I follow you guys on podcasts. Absolutely love what Micah teaches. I loved the series on Eat Torah. So that's something that I'm going back to. I, the person that I chose when Micah asked if I would choose somebody, a woman from Scripture, I chose Rebecca, and Rebecca is from Genesis. So that's the person that I chose. I am a woman who likes to ask a lot of questions. So my hope today when you leave is that you will leave with more questions than answers because then I can go, yes, okay. Because I want something, just anything from this morning to continue to stir and continue to cause you to ask questions because I believe God is in the questions and oftentimes it's the questions that are more important than the answers. So that's kind of a little bit about me I also, I was realizing, Mike, I didn't say this earlier, but I'm going to say it this time. I normally teach on a topic that is not taught about in church a lot, and that's the topic of sex. And I'll be honest with you, it was harder to prepare for this than it was for the sex talks I do. (laughs) And I was kind of like, God, what is that? Why, it just feels so weird. And it was like I realized, oh, this was a place of stretching. And so I think one of the things that's really important for us to recognize is God is never done with us. And that's one of the points, too, today that I think is very, very important. God is never done with us. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in process. And if we think God's just about the end product, we're going to miss so much. God is about the process. So we, together, are in process. So let me just start with a word of prayer. Okay, God... (laughs) we are in process and so I ask that now you would take these words that you have been stirring in me around Rebecca the places that you have been taking me and understanding more about my choices and my identity and God would you just breathe life and let it be what it will be And let us all be in a place where we can breathe you in for what is needed this morning. Thank you, God, for this community, for this time, and for this place. Amen. Well, I began my journey with um, Rebecca years and years and years ago, and that was because my legal name is Rebecca. So I got it as a child. I kind of was given it. I didn't choose it. I got it. And what I learned, I, when I was about five years old, I was in a Sunday school class, and the Sunday school teacher was going around the room, and she was telling us, going, oh, Isaac, this is what your name means, laughter. And then she was going, Sarah, this is what your ne- ma- name means, grace. And then she gets to Rebecca, this is what your name means, calf of a cow. <laughs> and I was like, calf of a cow. I'm I'm five and i ended up under the table in shame and what i realized and what i did what i didn't realize as a 5 year old i didn't have the language for it what happened is in that place i began to ask this deeper question of i don't want to be that i don't wait like, does my name define me i don't want to be that and so i began to stuff it away but you know kind of like trying to stuff down a beach ball under the ocean it would stuff down it would rise up it would stuff i just kept it i kept it down and i didn't know i didn't know that the question was there but i was living out of that question so when i started studying rebecca one of the things i have to be honest i've kind of jumped over her i've jumped over her for years kind of avoided her story i've resented her name i've kind of resented and seen her through a negative light in scripture unfortunately and So when I started preparing this text, I started going, oh, wait, there's a bigger story here, much bigger story, and it doesn't just involve Rebecca. There's really three key players in it, and I think it's important that we notice that it's not alone or in isolation that our name is defined. It is in community. So the first person in the story is Abraham, and just so you kind of know where we're at in history, Abraham's the patriarch in scripture, and I know that those of you that went through the Torah series, you know what Abraham is, who Abraham is. But Abraham is a guy who struggles with, he leaves the country that God that he came out, he came out of a country where his family was born, and God called him to leave. So he left. And he became, uh, God told him, I'm going to make a nation out of you, and he's childless. He's married to a woman named Sarah, and she's barren. And ultimately, through a lot of drama, they end up having Ishmael and Isaac. And Isaac is now at the place we're at in scripture where Rebecca starts to enter. Isaac is 40 years old not married, and Abraham's going, wait a minute, God said he'd make me a father of many nations, and my kid's not married, and how's this going to happen? And Abraham decides that he needs to send his servant to find a wife for his son. I know this is not something we do in today's culture, but just try and imagine, just play along with it, okay? He's sending somebody he really trusts to go back to the place that he left to find a wife to marry his beloved son. And he desperately wants this done before he dies. So he saw something and goes, wait, I can't do this. I must send someone. And so he sends his most trusted servant. His most trusted servant is somebody who runs the household. And that, and that type of day, he'd be like the, the um, executive manager that just kind of ran the whole household, knew everything about it. But he's used to being with his master and suddenly he's going to go look for this woman in a country that he's never been to, that um, ultimately is, he's going to try and find a woman that will, is willing to leave her family everything and to come back to marry a guy she doesn't know and to be engaged in a family that she doesn't really know. So it's like it's looking for a needle in a haystack. But the servant trusts the master. And the third character in our story is Rebecca. And that's where it's so important that we recognize Rebecca was somebody who was, she was actually in a family of nobility. She wasn't a servant, she was in a family of nobility because we know who her father, her brother, and her uncle are. So she's a pretty prominent woman, but we know that she's of marrying age, she's a virgin, and she's beautiful. And in the story, when we pick up in Genesis 24, she's carrying a jug on her shoulder, so we know she's in proximity of a well. That's kind of where all the characters are at. That's where we know. And then we enter, and we're going to read the text. Follow along if you'd like. In Genesis 24:17, it says, Running over to her, the servant says, Please give me a little drink of water from your jug. Yes, my lord, she answered. Have a drink. And she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. When she'd given him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels, too, until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jug into the watering trough and ran back to the well to draw water for all his camels. Now, what's really important here, I think, is what we, the thing about the servant, oh, that I didn't tell you, is there's an element the servant had chosen. He gets to this foreign land and he's like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? I don't know. Where am I going to find the woman? And so he goes, and for the first time, we see him petition God. So he makes a prayer to God and he says, God, okay, here's the deal. Um, The woman that I asked to give me a drink, let her be the woman. And she offers, I don't have to ask, she offers to water my camels. Then I'll know that this is the woman that I'm supposed to take back with me, or I'm supposed to ask. So he's just read this petition, and then, I mean, he's just given this petition to God, and then right where we read, he runs over to her. Now, do you see the motion in these few verses? There's running. There is quickly lowered her jar. There is um, this quickly emptied, and then she runs back to the well. There's a lot of movement and motion, and I think it's really important that we notice when there's a lot of movement in Scripture. God's trying to show us us this momentum, and there's a momentum that's coming that's really important for us to notice. With this servant, I kind of like this guy. I mean throws out this kind of petition. He's not used to hearing on his own, and ultimately he has to trust, and he has the guts to go up to this woman right away, just right away. Now, I don't know about you, but too often for me, one of the things that I do when I am I pray to God, and I, I'm talking to God about something, we're engaging, and then something happens, and I will go, okay, wait a second, let me, God, can you give me clarity? I just want clarity. I'm not really sure what the next step is, but as soon as you show me What I'm really asking is, you show me it's safe to be over here, then I'll take that step. And this servant just ran up to this woman, which in that culture would have been scandalous. It would have been scandalous. But he risked because he knew that there was something more. Or did he think, maybe possibly, that God was already there? And that God was inviting him to participate in something, so he decided to take action to be involved. And, you know, I don't think it was about it's this girl, that girl. There's one choice. I think it's about God is with him in the choice. So we have this servant. So my question often comes around this is do I run towards God? Do I run towards being a part of what God wants me to participate in? The next movement I see in this, in verse 18, she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder. And one of the things I love about this is um, these jugs are kind of heavy. And she quickly offered him a drink of water. Now, one of the things that's important to notice is in the desert, what would be the most important thing for survival? Water, right? So she's carrying the most precious element in her possession, and she lowers it down, and offers him a drink of water. What does it mean? What do we do with the interruptions in our life? Now, she's going about her every day. She knows what she's doing. She has a job. She's getting it done. She works, I mean, in her family, she's a part of the cog that makes everything go. And there's this element is... She takes this water and she pours it out immediately. Now, she knows she'll have to go back because in that culture, if you share water with a foreigner, you have to discard the rest of it because it's considered unclean to take it back to your house. So what she's just worked for, she carries up, but then she immediately meets the need of someone and she willingly pours it out. So what do you do with the day-to-day interruptions in your life? And what do you pour out? I think for me it takes me back to um, fast forward the story of my name, fast forward about three decades, and I'm sitting in a room with some great friends and we're having great food, great wine, great conversation, absolutely amazing. And we all start telling the story about how what our name means. So mine comes up, and with mine comes this eruption of tears that seem totally inappropriate. I can't stop them, and I'm like, oh, guys, I'm okay. I'm really okay. It's fine. I'm just really fine. I don't know where these tears are coming from. And at that moment, a very dear friend of mine lowered his jug and began to pour out the truth of what my name meant from who I was, not from the definition that I had been given. What I didn't know is this wound was so deep inside of me it was buried I had been become so successful at pushing it down but at some point I came to the well I came needing a drink of water God knew I needed a drink of water and my friend poured out the truth the words began to penetrate into me and suddenly Something that was hidden, I had no idea was there, but had been part of my identity, God healed. Now, I don't know exactly how that happened, but someone was willing to pour out what they had. They were willing to meet the moment for what it was. And I was seen. I was heard, not just by my friend, but by God. And what happened after that, which I think is interesting, I didn't have language for it until later, but my question changed that day. And instead of trying to push a, push a wound down and cover it up, instead, with that wound being healed and opened up, I began to ask this question, um, God, will you show me who I am? Like, who I am, who I really am, will you show me? We've all had those moments. We've all experienced them. But here's the deal. When we start, Rebecca started doing something that was necessary. She saw a thirst and she poured it out. She poured out water, what she had, for another individual. So she did, she started doing what was necessary, and then... St. Francis says it this way, start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. And that's what Rebecca did. She started by doing what was necessary. What was necessary? Somebody needed a drink of water, so she began to pour it out. And then from there she looked up and she could see, oh, wait, these camels need water too. Well, I can do that. And this is probably the most breathtaking part for me in this whole passage, is in verse 20, she quickly emptied her jug and then she ran back to the well. Now, what seems impossible about watering camels? I just want to give you a little bit of context here. A camel that comes off of caravan will on average consume 35 gallons of water in 6 seconds. Now, what we know about the servant, he brought 10 camels, at least, that we know. So you can do the math. And these jugs that these women used to carry on their shoulders in that day and time probably carried about five gallons in them. So do the math. How many trips up and down that, those stairs did she have to make? And wells were normally built down into the ground, and there were steps leading down them to protect them, because that was a source of life for a community. So they, they deeply guarded them, So it was kind of like she had to go down to the well and then come back from the well, go down to the well and come back. How many times did she have to do that? And yet it says in the text, she quickly emptied her jug and ran back to the well to water all of the camels. Now, I see that as extravagant. I see that as extravagant. That's like, that's the impossible. What? And she's not a servant. She is actually a woman of nobility in her family, but she poured out what she had and then she ran back to the source. So my question, and this is the breathtaking part that I just go over and over again, is, and this is what Rebecca is teaching me, is what is my source? What is my source? What is our source? And I think one of the things that's important for us to recognize is if we think our source, is limited, or scarce, we will be very careful what we pour out, right? Like, oh, I I'm not getting back, to, I, can't, I can't go back to the well, so I've got to hang on to this, I can't share it. But I want to say, I want to challenge you just a bit. If God is our source, is God a source of abundance or scarcity? Is God a source of limited resources? We only get so much, and then, you know, once we've used up that grace, darn it, can't go back there again. Or is God absolutely unlimited with the love that God pours out for us? Because every day we make choices. Every day we make choices. And those choices impact us, they impact others. I mean, look at Abraham. He made the choice that said, you know what? I want, more than anything, I want to make sure that my son has a wife that's not from these Canaanites that, and the gods they're worshiping. I want to make sure of that. I know it's not, the, it's not like e-harmony or anything, but the truth is is it was maybe Canaan's e-harmony at the time. Who knows? But the truth is that he made a choice, and from that choice empowered someone else to make a choice. And that choice led to Rebecca getting to make a choice. And Rebecca's day was interrupted. She poured out what she had, not asking for anything, and not even asking what the outcome would be. Didn't ask for clarity. Well, let's clarify, how many camels are yours now? How many camels? Am I actually committing to watering? How many would that be? Doesn't ask any of that just says, I will water all your camels until they are satisfied. And it says to me, I need to know my source to be able to have that kind of generosity to pour out. I need to know that I can pour out what I need to pour out, that I can run back to my source and be filled again in order to be ready to pour out again and again. But it, I want to say this. Pouring out is kind of messy. You're going to get hot, sweaty, in a practical sense. But ultimately, the question of what source defines my identity is something we're all asking because if I am my source, I have very limited resources. I mean, let's be real. I have very limited resources. If I'm the source and this is what I get to depend on, woo, I haven't got much to pour out. have got a little bit. But if God is my source, I want to spend every ounce and pour out every ounce because I can go back And I can fill up again. I can keep pouring out until all the camels are satisfied. There's something else in this um, passage. And I don't have this verse up on the screen for you. So just bear with me. But I think it's an interesting point in this. In verse 21, it says, The servant watched her in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in his mission. What's interesting here is, I mean, he did go trust, and this woman answered his question with, I'll pour, give you a drink, and I'm going to water the camels too. Wouldn't you think the servant could say, Oh, this is it. She's it. This is the one. God's answered my prayer. And I'll be honest, I've been kind of ticked at this servant as I've looked at this passage. And over and over again, I'm kind of like, come on, guy, you're a servant. You know you should go help her. Why isn't he helping her? What's interesting in Scripture, one of the most beautiful places that this text refers to when you start looking at the other commentaries, this is what created what's called the camel test. All through history, the camel test. especially in the Jewish uh, faith. And what it is, is are we willing to let someone experience the depth of their strength that God has put in them, the capacity of their gifts that God has put in them, and allow them to finish what they have begun? Because I'll be honest with you, when I see somebody really sweating through something and trying to find the answer to something, my initial reaction is, I want to help you. I'll help you. Let me give you the answer. And what if God wants us to wrestle with the question so that the answer is something that we grow into versus we're just given? Because I believe that the questions are the place where the growth gets, the seed gets to go inside of us and we get to go, oh, I don't know. Do I believe that? What do I believe? I'm not really sure. And suddenly God we begin a dialogue with God that is ongoing. You see, our choices for ourselves will impact others. But others' choices also impact us. So I propose that Abraham is modeling for us knowing God as the source. I think he's modeling something for us of the past. I mean, this is, he's in the past. He's doing this, and he's saying, I know God. Doesn't know who the woman is. I know God, and I know God can teach, can answer this prayer. I think the servant is representing the present. He's modeling having to risk trusting God as his source. And Rebecca, I think, is representing something that is about the future and modeling the depth of God as an abundant source. She's willing to test that source, go back and forth, back and forth. Do I have enough? Will I have enough? Can I? I can do this. And what she shows us, Rebecca shows us, is that with God, our source will never run out. Now one of the interesting things I've learned about the name Rebecca through my rabbi friend is Rebecca is actually not a Hebrew word. And the name Rebecca actually doesn't have a meaning. And I know you've probably seen the plaques, Ernest Devotee, tied to, well there's all different names that people have associated with it and put, it, put on it. But in the original Hebrew, It's not a Hebrew word. So it has no meaning other than people have tried, some scholars have tried to tie it to the calf of a cow because of one section of it, but it's a very weak argument and it's not accepted in most circles. But to that little girl that was under the table in shame, God has now taken this name, Rebecca, and he said, doesn't have a meaning so I want you to leave it open so that I can define who you are so I want you to imagine like breath going in lungs as it expands our capillaries inside of our lungs what it does is it brings life to us and I believe that part of what Rebecca's legacy is giving us in scripture is can we risk not having all the definition about our identity and letting God open up to us who we truly are and show us who we truly are. Because the expansiveness of that is suddenly open to us all. And Rebecca isn't just about a woman at a well. It's about a woman at a well that poured out what she had, went back, fed all the camels, over and over and over made those trips, testing her source, how abundant is it, and ultimately made a decision. You know what? I'm going to leave everything here. I'm going to go to a country I don't know. I'm going to marry a man I don't know. Ultimately would give birth to twins, Jacob and Esau, and she became through that lineage, Joseph's grandmother. Her choices impacted her future, but also impacted a lot of other people. Our identity is not defined by one choice. Our identity is truly defined by us returning to the source over and over and over again. I have a quote that I like, and I'm going to close with this quote. To say that I am made in the image of God is to say that love is the reason for my existence. For God is love. Love is my true identity. Think about that. Love is my true identity. Selflessness is my true self. Love is my true character. I think for some of us, we need to know that love really is our true character. And every choice we're making is helping uncover that so we can become, in the process, we can continually walk towards who God is so we can truly see who we are. Because love is my name. Love is my name. And to each and every one of you, love is your name. Because you bear the image of God who created you.
0: Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com Or on Facebook at www.facebook.com Backslash Community Or on Twitter at Awakening Community See you next time.